Hello, everyone, and welcome to CEO Matters, the Drum Network's new podcast series that delves into the topics that are hottest among agency leaders. I'm Sean Cotton. I'm the president and founder of Coegi, and this episode is all about building strong marketing teams. And I'm honored to be joined by Valerie Moiselle and Mike Roulette to talk about this topic today. So thank you both for taking your time to be with us today and discuss this topic. You know, all we have to do is look on job boards and career sites, and someone is always looking for the next digital rock star or that one person that can do everything and solve their problems in their organizations and their marketing teams. And of, of course, we, we've gone through the great resignation, maybe still in the great resignation, quiet quitting, all of that. Yeah, so this is a real challenge for agency leaders is to build out their marketing teams to where they're really strong, collaborative, and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So I guess I'll start with, you know, maybe Valerie, you know, kick it off as to what do you see in your industry with your clients as to how they're addressing this problem? Yeah, you know, it's it's been an interesting kind of journey for me. You know, I, I have an interesting story just because I started my agency straight out of school and I've never worked anywhere else. And so um, I've never really been taught the proper way to do this. And so my entire agency has been, you know, me kind of learning as I go. And, you know, I've been smart enough, obviously, to surround myself with bigger agency people along the way, which has been really fantastic. But, you know, when I when I think back to the beginning, I've always, you know, as I hire people, it's always been important for me to hire people that I think are, you know, smarter than me in some, some, in many respects so that, you know, we're rounding out our skill sets. But when it comes to this idea of rock stars, I've had, you know, two very distinct moments in, in my career at, you know, as the owner of this agency, CEO of this agency that, you know, really stand out. And I remember that there was a moment many, many years ago where I was at a, at a point, an inflection point where I really wanted to level up the agency. And so I had a lot of people in my ear talking about, you know, we have to get somebody who has a name. We have to get somebody who's famous. We have to get somebody who's, you know, one can lions because it's going to put your agency on the map. And, you know, I, I really bought into that. You know, I took a moment, I took a beat and I was like, okay. So we started doing a search and I told the recruiter at the time that that's what I was looking for. And so she brought me all these amazing people that I started to meet. And I ended up hiring someone who was a quote unquote rock star. Okay. Someone who's everyone knew his name. And I was so excited about him because it was really a moment for me to like level up the agency. Right. So I bring him in and, you know, he was amazing. Everything he did sold. Clients loved his work. I mean, I've never had so much ease in selling work in my life. The hard part about it was my staff hated him. My staff was miserable under him. There was tears. He just was that kind of person that would pit people against each other. And he created so much just tension and angst and unhappiness with the company that I had to make a really, really hard decision after the fourth or fifth person came to me in tears and said, I don't want to work here. I'm not happy here. I don't want to be here. And, you know, I just said to myself, it's not worth the, you know, sacrificing the culture of my agency for, um, for this. And so I had to make a really, really hard decision. 
And I did. I made the decision because I realized I went to him and talked to him and he said, look, this is the way I work and this is how I get the best work. And, you know, if you're not on board, then it's not a good cultural fit. And so, you know, just making sure that the rest of my team is happy and thriving is so important to me that I just couldn't in good conscience continue that way. And I had to believe that there are other people that, you know, can do a good job without the name. And I've proven to myself that it's absolutely possible to do so. Wow, that's a powerful story, Valerie. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, I want to go to you. You are, you're with uh, Prohaska Consulting, correct? And maybe you can tell a little bit about your role, but specifically in the area of how you work with companies to help them build out organizations. Can you kind of give us some insight as to what works well and what some of the challenges are that companies are facing? Yeah, absolutely. So my team focuses on helping brands, marketers, agencies, uh, and technology companies that are focused on buying in the ad tech space to solve you know, key challenges in, in their business related to the industry or to really even understand what's coming in the industry. So our approach, and it could be anything from you know, data and identity, having the right mindset there and the right strategy to media efficiency or, or how to choose a, the right technology partner for, say, your, your kind of media plan. So, so it's varied, but the, the thing that is consistent, no matter what bucket of client we're working with or what we're trying to help them with, is we look at things in three different areas. So tech, the technology the clients using the targets or the kind of business objectives are they aligned, and then t- we talent. So so we tech targets and talent um, are three T's. Uh, and talent is consistently, no matter what type of client it is, is the biggest and probably the most most difficult thing to really help align for all the the various reasons. And v- Valerie's story was fantastic because we do see this in companies when we come in, maybe not necessarily to the degree or the the detail that Valerie has obviously running the, the organization, but as, as an outside person, you can kind of see some of those dynamics internally and how that pans out from a everything from a kind of a workflow and structure perspective to an execution perspective. And I think, Valerie, you put it well, is it can come at the expense of the greater team and building a deep organization. Although these people are great and we've, you know, I can think of three or four right off the top of my head where we came in and met those people and we were even like, wow, these people are awesome. Like, you know, they haven't figured out. But then you start to kind of dig in and you kind of peel back the onion a little bit and you see either areas of inefficiency or just kind of, you know, too concentrated. That person's kind of like has their own gravity, almost too concentrated to their point of view versus a greater kind of probably more diverse point of view in the in the company. So, you know, our our goal when we come in is never to you got to get rid of this person, you got to, but it's really to, to really point out where a company can be better and more efficient. And that's really what our focus is. So we may, you know, suggest maybe different organizational focus or, or things like that. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's our focus. And as I said, you know, we see this in all types of businesses, whether it's a tech company or whether it's a, a brand, a CPG brand, it's, it's very common for folks to want that name to really help define their their business or their objectives. Absolutely. And those individuals are great and very powerful in organization, especially when we can get them to buy into the team concept of bringing everybody up. If that's the case, we love having those individuals and we love having them in our organization when everything's going well, but it also makes us very vulnerable. 
Because if all of that knowledge is siloed or all of that talent is siloed in one individual and they are in high demand, those people are in high demand, we're one <laughs> recruiter away from you know impacting our organization through a job loss. What you were going to say something, Valerie. Well, I think, you know, something that's really interesting is, you know, I think about me back in my twenties, you know, and just how today culture is so much more important than what it used to mean. I mean, it used to be you know, when I was just starting out my career, it was companies, the the bosses, the companies were first, the people were second. It was just kind of a different landscape. Mm-hmm. And it's so refreshing to me that now it's shifted. I mean, obviously, I think we all feel like we're as strong as our team, right? And I'm so happy that, you know, younger generations have flipped this conversation on us um, in a way to, you know, make sure to your point that there's not like one or two people at a, in a company that have too much power. Because to your point, you never want to be in a position where, you know, you have this one rock star and, you know, God forbid he walks or she walks out the door and like, what does that mean for the, the company? Right. And, you know, this idea of rock star and getting your name out there, you know, I, it's again, it's so kind of subjective because I went through this again, where I hired a new executive creative director for my agency and I did cr- go through the exercise with the recruiter again of show me rock stars, show me up and coming people. And, you know, my agency is really interesting because we're an emotion centric agency. And so everything we do is based on um, how things make us feel. Right. And so my intuition and my gut on something is is 90 percent of the decision that I make. I mean, obviously, they have to have the skill set, but there's a lot of people that do have the skill set. You know, and I do have people in my ear sometimes that are like, oh, you know, go for that person. They have the name, they have the, you know, the reputation. It's going to elevate the agency. And it's, you know, it's sexy. I'm not going to lie. It's sexy. And it's, you know, it makes me feel like, oh, I'm going to get press because of this. And people are going to turn their heads and it's going to make people feel like I'm serious. And so I was recently in a situation where, you know, I, I again was put in front of, you know, a bunch of people and I made a decision to go with someone who I'm so, so excited about. And to me, she's a rock star. To me, she's a rock star. It might not be the traditional sense, but when I saw her work, the caliber of clients she worked on, her values, the way that she carries herself, her organizational skills, I just feel like I have to redefine in my own head what rock star means. And you know, I think that that's the most important thing you can do as a leader is it doesn't matter what it means to the outside world. It's it really matters what it means to your organization. And, you know, she's been here for now a few months and she's just killing it. You know, she's she won her first pitch yesterday and I'm so excited about that. It's, you know, really nice piece of business. And she led the team and I totally just gave her complete autonomy to do that. And I mean, she's already just elevated herself within the agency as a rock star. I mean, people are just so thrilled with her. So, you know, it just has taken on its own its own different meaning. That's a great point, Valerie. You know, sometimes we can be too narrow in our definition of what we need for individuals or roles within our organization. And when we can look at it with a broader perspective of what are the core skill sets, traits and attributes that a person has that would allow them to succeed and really even excel in these ability to mesh with our team and bring those unique perspectives to the table, maybe a new way of doing things and that creativity, they're they're really kind of in a box and we're limiting ourselves. So we, we like to approach it of like, you know, in, in our industry, you know, because we do a, work a lot with data and 
and with numbers and, and, and optimizations, people that are, you know, geared towards statistics or towards math or towards problem solving as an example for some of our roles. And we'll train them how to operate within our platforms. Is that something that you've seen, Mike? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think both of you are are kind of touching upon a point, you know, the idea of, you know, Rockstar can mean a lot of different things, right? Like we're, we all kind of sit in this this ad tech ecosystem and agency ecosystem. And, you know, there's a specific meaning. You step outside of this and, and we see it in other companies, right? Like people, we work with companies that are outside of this ecosystem, but they got one foot in because they need to build out a marketing plan or something. So when you, you see the different dynamics and what Rockstar can mean and do within those organizations. But I do like, I like both what both of you are saying, you know, in terms of, you know, what to look for. It's about, you know, execution and outcomes. And, you know, your Rockstar could be a no name, someone that has four connections on LinkedIn, but they're a proven commodity through someone you know, or you've seen them, seen them execute at a high level. That to us is a Rockstar. Um, and when we have we've we've been in a few instances where we'll work with an agency who's asked us to stand up a programmatic practice or a data practice. So it's like, who do we look for? Where do we go? And, um, you know, we have our own recruiting practice, too. So but those are the things that when when the consulting teams dig in and we start to work with the client and what they're looking for, what's never high on the list is, you know, renown in the industry. It's always about, you know. How can they actually, what's their experience and what is their kind of proven track record around it? And, you know, we, we've had to do that a few times and have seen a lot of success and our clients have seen a lot of success and longevity with those folks. And then I think the cultural piece, I think we've, you know, we don't want to leave that off the table. And Valerie, again, I, I like that you kind of went there initially because that is so important, especially like in situations when we come in and where we are kind of standing up a new, say, department in an organization, that person, yes, they need to be experienced and probably maybe fit that rock star profile, but they also have to be able to work within the organization and other teams. You know, many times it's an organization where this person comes in and they're the digital person. And then they're working with teams who have been there for 20 years, 25 years you know, in print or in, you know, some yes. other way. So these people need to understand culture. They need to understand how to really get things done within an organization in a positive way and build consensus and teams around them. So, yeah, no, I agree with both of you, everything that you guys have been saying. Yeah, great points. Was it Peter Drucker that said culture eats strategy for breakfast? Yeah. And, and that is so true. And we, I, I think that's been highlighted even more so going through the pandemic. I think, you know, prior to the pandemic, many companies had a way of just going about their business. They had processes in place, expectations for their employees and the employees, to Valerie's point earlier, especially ones that have been doing this for a while, kind of felt like the power was with the company, <laughs> you know, with the organization and the executives. And then going through the pandemic where everybody went remote, people were managing their own time. Yeah. They were kind of controlling their own lives a little bit more. Many people are like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, I, I have a say here as to, and I, and I can still do a great job for the company that I work for when I have control over my own time and, and my own projects. And the forward thinking companies tap into that because actually, you become more productive, more your culture becomes stronger when you tap into 
the that empower empower your people to tap into their own own abilities, but it scares some organizations as well mm-hmm. to to put employees in that position. Yeah, what you know, one thing I also think, you know, as leaders, we have to think about the responsibility that we have. I'm a, a small business, and for me, when someone comes to work for me, it's a huge responsibility for me because I take it seriously in the sense that like this person is trusting me with their future and their career. And I also feel like I can't let them down. Right. And I think it's, you know, for me, that's where the opportunity comes to take someone and make sure that we're developing them. And, you know, there used to be a time in my career where like, if I would develop somebody and they would get to a certain level and then they would leave, I would be really upset about it, you know, because then somebody else was going to reap the benefits of all the work that I put into it. That mindset has shifted for me a lot in the last five years, because what I realize is, you know, as long as somebody feels like they've learned and they've grown at my agency and they've done something great, we have a responsibility to people to just be a a positive part of wherever they want to go. And we can't, we, you know, we obviously, you know, can't control what people do. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's sad, but at the end of the day, I want somebody to, to look back and say, wow, this person really helped me lift me up, right? They helped me get to the next level. You know, there's a couple of really large agencies that have really quickly learned that I make rock stars in the, in the making. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to name who they are, but there are two large agencies. And so they're constantly poaching my people. And you know what? I look at it as a huge, huge compliment. And, you know, they off, they can offer things that sometimes I can't and I can't compete with that. And I also want people to feel like they're growing in their careers. And then there's people that have been reached out to by those same companies that have said, you know what? I got this offer. It's got this, this and this, but it doesn't have what you offer. You know, it doesn't have this, you know, this kind of more intimate um, type of environment where I have complete access to, you know, leadership. I have my voice matters. I can actually make an impact. And so people make choices in their careers, you know, and I just think that as leaders, you know, we have to always strive to try to make everyone on our team, you know, build them up and move them all towards being rock stars. And, and sometimes that means the rock star part comes at the next agency they're at. Mm-hmm. Not at your agency, but how cool that you were a part of that, you know, how cool that you were a part of building, like you get to tell that story, you know, like I was the first, per- like they do become famous that, you know, you were the first person that gave them a chance. Like, that's cool too. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. Yeah, no, that's so true. You, we just had a company retreat. And at that retreat, I addressed that topic with our group. And, and I said, you know, really my responsibility is to create opportunities for all of you. And I'll work my tail off to make sure that I create as many opportunities within our organization as possible. But I understand that sometimes those may be those opportunities may be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So as we can continue to work and to develop trust, we can have that conversation about how can I help you get there? Yeah, I mean. You know, I've had people who started here as a receptionist that are now like leading, you know, huge pieces of business and creative directors. And like, I love to tell the story that I gave them the first chance. Like that's so meaningful to me, you know, like that I was like their their foot in the door. And so I think it's it's just a special thing to be able to say that you've done for someone and something that means a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, you talked about, you know, develop, you know, matching cultures with organizations and standing up departments and teams and helping with recruiting and you do this across multiple organizations what i guess can you share just a little bit of what what's your process for kind of understanding what is a cultural fit 
Yeah, um, it's a great question. You know, our our process for that is our process, like for anything, is really dig in and talk to people, right? Like learn, you know, from the CEO down and starting to to really understand, you know, not only how the company was built and what it does, but how do people operate? What are the the business KPIs, if you will, which tend to be the, the things that drive what people are focused on. And you start to dig into some of these nuanced things and you start to understand how people think in the organization. You know, even doing little things with folks like going in and let's say we're working with a CRO or a CEO and we're like, hey, you know, give us a list of folks we should speak to on this topic. Just seeing them cultivate that list gives us some inkling of what the culture is like there people that they're putting on the list. All right, is this more of just a top-down organization or is there a kind of a broader, kind of less hierarchical, more flat organization? And then once you start talking to people, understanding their background. Are these a bunch of people that started six months ago? Do we have people with longevity? Why? You know, what are the things they focus on? And you don't have to necessarily dig into cultural questions to start to understand the culture. You know, people that to, to Valerie's point, people that the receptionist that's now the creative director. So clearly there's something good happening when that's happening on many levels, you know, not only from a company execution, but, you know, people and perspective. It's really about quantifying and looking for all these things and finding these things within a series of engagements with the client and again, at different levels. So, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tells, if you will, as you start to kind of work with some of these folks. You never, listen, you never really know until you start working with someone, right? It's it's kind right. of, if you think about it, it's kind of crazy. You, you know, you interview someone, you go, what, five, six rounds for, you know, somebody's, you know, big, a top executive, you go five, six rounds, you go have a meal with them, you have a beer with them, you have a drink with them, you hang out, you have them meet everyone in your organization. But, you know, think about equated to like, you know, imagine if you were getting married, would you ever do that? You know, would you meet somebody five or six times and be like, let's live together. Let's do everything we do, like spend most of our waking hours together. Right. And so at the end of the day, right. you know, when you're interviewing, like in the beginning of a relationship, you're always on your best behavior. Right. And then you start to, you start to learn about people and, you know, they're, they're strong, what's, what's strong and maybe some of their weaknesses as you start to work with them. And so that's really the only way that you can really know. And so, you know, the, the more you can in the beginning, you know, for me, my process is obviously, you know, you see their, their, you know, their work history, their work product, what they've done, their reputation. I mean, reputation, 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 right? That is so important. Mm -hmm. Talking to other people in the industry. So important to me to, you know, always reach out to people who've worked with this person. And as soon as I hear like, oh my gosh, yes, this person is going to, you know, fit so beautifully into your values. And, you know, I think one of the, the things that I do, a lot of companies have like their company mission and values, right? And a lot of companies just kind of like check, check it off the list. They like, they put it in the employee handbook and it's there. I try to bring my values of my company into my everyday life. And all of our values are mm -hmm. about, you know, making people feel something. So feeling heard, feeling empowered, feeling ignited, you know, there's this eight or nine of them that are all about how we as a company want to make you feel. And so I always think it's really important to go through those values with somebody who I'm talking to to just say, like, does this feel right to you? You know, is this a place that you want to be? Maybe maybe we're too touchy feely. You know, maybe that's maybe that's too much for you. And you're, you're looking for something that's not quite as um, 
you know, emotion centric. And I've had people say that to me and that's okay, you know? And so, you know, in a sense, it's not that you want to, you know, try to scare them away, but I just think being as honest and like brutally honest about the positive things that are happening in your agency, I always tell people the good, the bad, the ugly. I have to, because the last thing I want to do is have someone come here and be like, you didn't tell me that. And so I always have a session when I'm interviewing, okay, these are all the things you're going to love about my agency. And here are the things that you're probably not going to love, but we're working on. And I'd love for you to be a part of helping me fix it, you know, because every agency has, or every, you know, company has its challenges that they have to work on. So, um, you know, I, have found that to help. And I think people really appreciate that transparency. And I've had people say to me like, wow, I don't have a lot of people interview me, tell me some of the problems of their organization. I'm like, I don't want you to make this huge life decision and get here and hate me. Like that's not going to do anyone any good, you know? So I think it's just, it's so important to be like super transparent, you know, when you're, when you're interviewing or trying to see if someone's a good match for you. Very true. Very true. Oh yeah. Hey, Coegi, we have something called the Coegi way. It's been in place almost since we started the company and it really is kind of like a, like you said, it's it's something that we live and breathe, not just something that's in our manual. Good. But we have a four-step uh, interview process. And part of that is with the candidates meet with just members of our team. And they really kind of break down the walls and get to know them as people. And it's really less about, you know, the work and the skills and so forth. And through that process, really sticking closely to that Koegi way, I believe has helped us build, you know, a consistent culture. But to your point, you never really know until afterwards, you know, until after they're hired. And then you you have to practice it, you know, and people, mm-hmm. the right candidates start to adapt to that. Even if they weren't initially aligned with that culture, if it's a place they want to be, they start to adapt to that culture. So that's really, really important. Like Mike, you were going to say something, I think. No, I was just going to say, you know, it, it's it's nice to hear. Um, the perspective of the company and and the role, like Valerie, what you're saying, even Sean, what you just said, you know, how the company has a responsibility for the development and and for you know getting these folks to bring out the rock star and everyone type of thing. And that's kind of what I'm hearing is like we have these paths and people do, you know, they do integrate into that culture, but you know, at the same time, the company's kind of kind of saying, hey, you're in the boat with us, you know, as we as we Valerie, as you said, as we tackle these these challenges, you're part of the solution, just like the other 70 people here are or whatever. So it's a nice point of view. I think that's how you that's how you do that's how you develop rock stars, right? Like in, in kind of moving them towards those areas where they can succeed, um, but being transparent and, you know, allowing them to be to have a voice and part of the solution. So I think we'd be remiss talking about this topic if we didn't touch on diversity. And that it can be really easy to overlook candidates with potential, as we were talking about earlier, if we have this very narrow view of what this person needs to be. And there's there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of stated intentions in the industry about promoting diversity within organizations, but that we don't always see that in reality. So I guess, how are you approaching that? What have you seen when people do that well, they truly adopt a a mindset of being intentional about making their organizations diverse. Yeah. You know, for me, this, this is a a topic I'm very passionate about, you know, when the whole black lives um, matter movement happened, huge wake up call for me, huge. And 
you know, it was the first moment in my career that I realized I'm really, really not doing enough. And, um, you know, there was there, especially in the advertising industry, there was, you know, so much talk about, um, you know, agencies have to do better. They have to, um, try harder. And, you know, what I struggled with so hard was like, okay, great. I totally understand and agree. The resumes that were coming through did not reflect or give me the ability to do that. And I struggled with it because, you know, I, I, I can put out an ad, but I can't help what comes back in. Right. And I, you know, I met with a diversity and inclusion coach because I was really struggling with this because, you know, I don't want to be in a position where I can't help the situation and I can't, you know, am I not advertising in the right places? Am I not going to the right sources? What is, what is the way to do this? And so, you know, by trying different outlets, but even when I did that, you know, you're always going to hire somebody based on, you know, their skill set. You're never going to hire somebody based on their, you know, race or, or religion or anything like that. But you have to, you have to have a diverse pool to, to start with. So, you know, I, I took a moment because I was really frustrated with the whole situation and I thought, you know, I have to do this differently. So what I came up with was a different way to attack the issue and the problem. And so we've started a, a program here at Woo called Team Woo. And Team Woo is, we've decided to go into diverse high schools and inspire a younger generation to consider a career in advertising. Because I thought to myself, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be a part of helping this problem, I got to get more people to even think that advertising is an option, right? Mm -hmm. So we've strategically yep. went into diverse public schools. We're actually about to do the program again. This is going to be our second year. And uh, last time I think we had, you know, 20 kids. I think this year we have 40 kids and all the, the advertising executives at my agency volunteer their time. And we do like a course, a crash course in advertising. And the best part about it, which I'm so, so excited about is that we get a brand, a real brand to sponsor the project. So this year we're partnering with a brand called Supergoop, which is a very, very trendy um, and awesome sunscreen brand. Um, if you look them up, they're like on fire right now. One of the really an amazing, amazing brand and a brand that I've admired. So I approached them and said, guys, would you do this with me? Would you you know, partner with me to inspire this younger generation. You put out a brief of what you're looking to do. We're going to get these Gen Z kids to come up with an advertising concept for you and pitch it. And how amazing for them to be able to pitch to a real company. And by the way, if you like their idea, you can buy it from them, you know, and it will be born from, you know, it won't be, a, you know, a, a bunch of advertising people trying to figure out what Gen Z is thinking. It'll be Gen Z making an advertising campaign. Now, I can't guarantee it's going to be, you know, at the level right. that you're used to. Right. But I'm sure there's going to be some insights that we can garner from this that are going to be so great. And Supergoop has been so, so amazing and supportive. They're so excited. So we're launching this in, uh, second time, second year in January. We're doing our next round. And so, you know, I just combated it in a totally different way because I, I cannot figure out how to solve it um, any other way. And the results from last round, which was a different company that we um, we partnered with, which, which was Niagara Water, which is another one of my clients. Um, they, again, the results were incredible. What the kids did was incredible. And the feedback that we got from the kids, because these were creative kids, because we go into creative schools, they never knew that advertising was even an option. They thought, right. they, yeah. thought, they thought I'm a creative person. That means I have to be a painter 
or like I have to do Mm -hmm. like, they just didn't even understand that creativity can manifest into like all these different things. So to be able to just open their minds to that is like mind blowing. Absolutely. We see the same thing with computer science majors or information systems Mm -hmm. that who would have thought that they could go into digital advertising? They'd never even entered their mind. So Valerie, I love that. That is awesome. Being proactive, being intentional. That's really a way of, you know, helping our organizations in the industry be more diverse. For sure. It's it's future thinking, you know, it's not solving, it's solving a little bit of the problem down the road, but it's just a different way to contribute. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it. So many companies start where you started, which is how do I change this? Like, this is the pool. Um, that is extremely forward thinking. I will say I don't even I can't even draw a parallel to what we've seen in terms of people solving that problem or trying to solve that problem. And you're contributing to the greater good, not just your agency. So, you know, kudos to you. You know, it's interesting. I got a lot of criticism. Some people said to me, you live in Los Angeles. Stop saying that you can't, you don't have diverse talent. I'm like, guys, you want me to show you the resumes? Like, come in, we can do a group, everybody, we can do a public session. It's just not there. Then it's just not there. Yeah, I think Sean, you nailed it. Kids just don't know. And both of you said that, but even on the engineering side, they just don't know it's an option for them. It's not about what DMA you live in. Yeah, especially if you don't have, you know, parents that you know, understand or creative minded, like they just don't understand that it's even an option. I Mm -hmm. mean, I remember when I was, I think I was 24 before someone's like, you should consider a career in advertising because you're so creative and you have ideas. I was like, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? They're like, oh, you know, when you see a commercial on TV and I was like, oh, people, it, it just didn't even connect to me that people actually like come up with ideas and figure out how to go produce. Like you just don't, as a kid, you don't, you just don't like connect those dots, you know? just magically shows up. Well, I think that that brings this episode to a great close about really putting all the pieces together for creating a rock star digital team, being intentional and proactive for looking for talent in all places, driving a strong culture within our organization that attracts people and allows people to excel and grow, hopefully with our organization, but maybe somewhere else. So Valerie, Mike, thank you so much. One of the best panels I've ever been a part of, I think. So thank you for your time. And we'll hopefully get together and do this again someday. I love it. Definitely. Thank you. you This This was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks a lot.